With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unashamedly cricket. This is the cricketer. Hello there. Welcome to Series 1, Episode 4 of the Cricketer Podcast. I'm George DeBell. With me, as normal, is Jonathan Trott. How are you, Trotty? And Philip Brown. There's no excuse for him. Firstly, fellas, tell us where in the world you are. I'd like to go first for a change. Uh, I'm at Lord's. I'm at Lord's Cricket Ground looking out. I've got a nice view of the pavilion just straight in front of me. Uh, I was at Trent Bridge yesterday. I was at Edgebaston before that. I was at the Oval before that. But today, Lord's. Trotty. I'm just in Abu Dhabi. Nothing uh, as exciting as that, Philip. But um, yeah, we've got a camp going on here before our ODI and T20 series against Bangladesh. We fly to Bangladesh on Saturday early morning. Um, And then play our first ODI starting on the 5th, which is going to be a very uh, difficult and challenging series uh, facing Bangladesh in Bangladesh. Now, before we talk about other stuff, have you guys been watching the World Cup qualifiers? Because as we speak, um, and, and there's obviously a bit still to happen, West Indies and Ireland are not going to be at the World Cup. Now, I know that it's exciting for other teams to qualify, and that's brilliant. Uh, and it's fantastic that ne- for Netherlands that they've just pulled off an incredible win against West Indies. But Trotty, I don't know. Mm. Uh, do, do you find it somewhat sad that West Indies in particular, and Ireland actually, are given given their histories in that tournament, aren't going to be at the World Cup? No, I, I think what they're trying to do is be more inclusive with the game. Where in, yesteryear it used to be just the top teams or the top test-playing nations would play in the World Cup in 50-over cricket. I think it's now promoting the game, but also keeping those teams who don't have the test uh, status or aren't the top sides that keeps them interested and gives them ambition of playing on the big stage one day. I think it's I think it's good. Um, I think it's good for the growth of the game. Wait, well, they have less opportunity though, don't they? I mean, if there are only ten teams in the World Cup and there used to be more, that's mm. not opportunity, is it? Well, now they are, now they qualify, so there is opportunity to qualify. Is what I'm trying to say. But only only ten get to the to the 
to the main tournament. Yes, I think that you don't want a tournament where there's too many. We see so many competitions around the world where I think it's a little bit goes on for too long. I think you need that sort of uh, initial excitement of the tournament starting. And then the group stage shouldn't be as long as some tournaments in various sports we see all around the world. I mean, if you look at the IPL, how long does the IPL go on for? A lot of the time at the, at the, at the beginning, you know, it's really punchy, it's great, and it's great for TV. Come week five, you're sort of like, oh, I just want to see the quarterfinals and the semifinals now. Um, that's my view. You, you say this, of course, as, as, a, as a man whose side has qualified. Well, yeah, I do. Uh, you know, Afghanistan there, which is a great effort, of course. And that yeah. and that's brilliant. And it's wonderful that sides like Afghanistan have become, you know, habitual qualifiers uh, in, in, in the last few tournaments. Uh, obviously, you were in Australia at the T20s as well. But I, I, I do uh, find it uncomfortable that uh, sides who, well, Ireland and West Indies in their different ways, have both cool. had such success at the World Cup. And I'm not sure that we're encouraging them and giving them the best opportunity to develop their cricket. With all due respect to Ireland, what success have they had at a World Cup besides beating England in Bangalore in 2011? Well, in 2007, in the Caribbean as well, they, they progressed to the, what, Super 8s? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that yeah. was a, a, a laudable effort at the time. They certainly... Um, yeah, were for those years uh, better than England. And uh, yeah, I, that was that, their incredible game against England. I mean, I think we have to remember where they are and the resources they have. They're capable of doing really special things, but we have to give them the opportunity if we want them to develop and grow. Well, the same as for, for Holland. If you think of their, their structure and their, now imagine Absolutely. being a, a Dutch player. They've beaten South Africa at the T20 World Cup and yeah. now they've been the West Indies. So I think that, that's good to... Uh, that's good for for uh, their, I think, their coaches also, and the development of the, the the game there. I mean, the, I mean, I was fortunate enough to play. No, what I'm trying to say is, I was fortunate enough to be an overseas player in the Dutch league. I played in the Hague in 2002, before the year I came on trial at Warwickshire, and I think there was only two turf pitches in the country really: VRA, where they're playing in Amsterdam, and VOC, um, another ground. Whereas, you know, if you want the game to grow, this is the type of cricket. That's the type of I think exposure that the game needs, and that's why I think some in, in all cases and, and in all walks of life, if someone's to prosper, somebody has to miss out, or probably not as who has to fail a little bit, or be as as not uh, as lucky as the the team that prospers. Brownie, you grew up as well, like me, no doubt, watching West Indies have incredible sides, uh, winning World Cups. Do, do you feel an element of sadness about it? I want to answer the first question. You said you were going to ask us both if we'd been watching the qualifiers. So I'm, I, I like that question first place. Have you been watching the qualifiers, Philip? No. I have, actually. I watched, I watched Sri Lanka beat um, UAE. Uh, and I saw some other game the other day. I saw uh, Zimbabwe got 400 against America. Yeah, I prefer to see my cricket live. Live cricket. I don't want to, I don't want to watch it on a screen, but... As you talking about the West Indies, it, am I sad that they're not the power they once were? That's that's the beauty of sport, isn't it? That's the cycle of sport. Did anyone say when Australia two won the America's Cup sailing for the first time in something like 150? Oh, it's sad that America haven't won that again for the 57th time, isn't it? It's glad, it's 
that's that's sport for you, and it's nice to see different teams doing well. I think. Well, it is if you if you agree that you know it's cyclical, and I don't. What if it's just a inexorable decline? That would be my worry. My very cheerful, optimistic thought. Someone's decline is someone else's rise. Well, not that's what my granny used to say. Well, not not if you have more teams. Obviously, put nostalgia aside, uh, George. Are you just disappointed the West Indies are struggling because it's your favourite holiday place in the world? And you want to see them play more international cricket and watch more cricket there? And, and no, genuinely not. Uh, uh, because I feel the same about, you know, as I just said, Ireland. But uh, I, I would think that uh, it, it would be a better World Cup if you have more countries and more opportunities. And we've seen incredible results, from, uh, a surprising results over the years. And I, I would like to see the game grow. Uh, and mm. I think that we need to nurture uh, some of these countries where maybe it, they're at a bit of a crossroads. And I would say cricket in the Caribbean is at a crossroads. Um, Philip, you've also been at Trent Bridge watching uh, what for most of the time was a really engrossing test, uh, the, the women's test between England and Australia. It was a good test. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a good atmosphere. There was a, a lovely hum around the ground, a little bit like the hum you get at Lords during a test match, a little bit quieter. But yeah, it was every time you thought, well, I know which way this game's going. Kind of the other team came back and, you know, at fantastic innings from Tammy Beaumont to get 208. I'm there, re- you know, I could appreciate it. I'm really there concentrating on trying to be on the best angle to get the pictures and, mm. you know, to not be in the same spot as someone else. But but I could appreciate that there was some really good cricket going on. I mean, yeah. uh, and Lauren Byler, I have to concentrate to say her name properly, she makes fantastic pictures as she comes into bowl, if you get the angle perfectly right. And, uh, yeah, it was just nice, you know, when, the, when they'd come out for interviews after the game, it was, you know, they were... They were there to converse and have some fun, and I really enjoyed it. And obviously, I missed coming to training today at Lords for the men. I've missed the uh, the final bit of the game, and obviously, Australia won by I think eighty nine runs. But yeah, I enjoyed my four days in Nottingham. I want to talk to you both about Ollie Robinson. He's a man who divides opinion, isn't he? Are you surprised, Trotty, how much he seems to have irritated the Australians? I do find it quite interesting, but also don't forget when Australians win, then they like to talk a lot more. I think what happens is we've seen when Australia lose, they actually end up eating themselves a little bit. Um, but when they win, they like to try and eat the opposition. Uh, so I think that's it. I think what he did was perhaps mentioning uh, an ex-player's great name, um, an ex-great player's name, I should say. Um, that's always going to then spark um debate spark conversation especially when that ex-player is a pundit for the game then there's going to be plenty of time for it to to to, uh, be spoken about he didn't say anything terribly bad did he no but but what i'm trying to say is when you when you start mentioning other people that that always enables that fuels the fire for then what's your comment on that he's just spoken about you what's your comment and then it starts bouncing around if you just go out and say something in the press and and that sort of stuff. As soon as you commit to uh, or, or try and not, and you label someone similar to how you've behaved, then, then that, that's always open for interpretation. Um, if you just say, well, this is how I felt, then there's not much people that can say. Did Ricky Ponting give you much chat when you were playing? Yeah, he did. On, on your debut, did you get a lot? 
No, I actually one of the, one of the most memorable things. He came and stood at City Point, and uh, he didn't speak to me. He spoke to Brad Haddon, funny enough. And um, I'm not going to do it in an Australian accent, but did he, he said to Brad Haddon, um, so "What does he sound like? Does he sound like a yapi or a pom?" <laughs> Obviously, yapi being South African. And Haddon said, "I don't know. I think he's too nervous. He hasn't said a word yet." <laughs> and I just started nodding. <laughs> How many had you made at that stage? I think I, it was Marcus North was bowling at the time. And I think it was just before T on day one. I can't remember. I think it was just for T. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll never forget that. I'll never forget watching Ricky Ponty in the morning of day one, having some throwdowns and the ball, the sound, it's so different coming off his bat. Um, I remember him used to have these kookaburra bats and he used to have a fiberglass tape along the front. Um, and uh, and it's very weird when you end up playing a test match, you end up seeing someone that you've watched from a very young age. And you actually like it's you know it's a realization. Yeah, but you can't you can't say that presumably. I mean, did after that game, obviously you did very well on debut. Did you have a, a beer with him, a chat with him in the evening, uh, on on after you won? Um, I can't remember that. No, I was just so elated. I think I'd I, by the time the Australians came into our dressing room, I think I was about four rum and cokes deep, and I, I couldn't I couldn't quite comprehend what was going on. I remember speaking to Mike Hussey, because Mike Hussey had a message from Brad Hogg, who had previously been at Warwickshire, obviously big WA mates, so we chatted a little bit about that. And I'll never forget the Australians coming in the England dressing room, all wearing their baggy greens, because it was they made a point of wearing their baggy greens and still in their whites, and wanted to wear it in our dressing room. So um, we made sure we wore our baggy blues when we went into Sydney dressing room after beating them in 2010-11. Nice. I've just, uh, well, I've just seen Ricky Ponting the last hour and a half down here at the at the Nets and for a while I could I didn't see his face so I just thought there's another bloke in the way just standing around watching Nets and stopping me doing my job but eventually I saw it was Ricky Ponting with his young lad called Fletcher and I'll tell you how relaxed the Australia Nets was that Fletcher and Ricky took over one of the Nets and just played their own game so it's it's pretty relaxed. I've never seen so many people around some nets before in my life. You know, they've obviously got a camera crew making the next Amazon Prime or wherever it goes, uh, the test. Uh, but there's just a gaggle of actually, there was there was someone else there talking to David Warner, and I I did the sneaky thing of photograph her, her pass so I could see she's a retired Australian netballer. Who's also these people can get closer than I can. I'm trying to do a job here, but yeah, I photographed Ricky and and his uh, young son Fletcher, and hoping that in 14 years' time, Fletcher Ponting is a massive cricket star, and I can say, well, there's some pictures to use from when he was with his dad at Lords. Very nice. And uh, that, on that bombshell, we're going to take a break, and afterwards, we're going to hear from Azim Rafiq, and you, Philip, are going to give us a quiz. This is the cricketer. Hugh Turberville here, editor of The Cricketer magazine. You can buy our 2023 Ashes series special, the July issue, from shops or at www.thecricketer.com slash magazine. David Gower reflects on what it's like to be a captain in the Ashes. Vic Marks describes the strange effect that the series has on writers. Peter Siddle profiles the tourists and Simon Barnes reflects on baseball. Graham Gooch and Jonathan Trott recall facing Australia. Tanya Aldred picks her favourite Ashes books. And we also feature Sophie Eccleston, Alice Capsey and James Bond actor Rory Kinnear. Buy our Ashes special now or subscribe from just £30 a year at 
www.thecricketer.com slash magazine. You're listening to a new podcast from The Cricketer. Welcome back. Uh, we're going to talk to Azeem Rafiq in just a moment. But before that, it's the moment that Trotty's been waiting for all week. Look at him in Abu Dhabi, looking terribly excited. Uh, it's Philip's Quiz. What's it called this week, Philip? Wait, do, you, do you want me to sing it? No. Okay. It's name me some England test cricketers from the recent past who have a surname which starts with the same letter as their first name. It's very... Can I go? Uh, yeah, if you've got one, you can... You can so, Gooch. Well, yeah, he's not on the list, but I didn't go back <laughs> far enough. I didn't go back far enough. <laughs> right, but I'm going to... Yeah. Let me just check your working. So you're saying Graham starts with a G, Gooch. Yeah, with yeah, one point. It's Trotty's turn. Trotty. Oh, I've no clue. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think. Do they have um, to be English? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Don't know. I'm struggling, maybe, yeah. Maybe I'll give... George, do you think you've got a second one to go up 2-0? Um, um, Andy Afford. Did, did he play Who? for him? Test cricket? Did you say test cricket? Yeah. I don't think you did. I think it was a very long title. I'm not sure. So I can't have Graham Gooch, or sorry, I can't have Gordon Greenwich or Steve Smith. I've checked. Graham Gooch did play Test cricket for England, and he okay. scored 333 runs just out there where I'm looking. No, the reason I say those two is that I think Steve Smith and Gordon Greenwich both have British passports. I think they could have played for England, couldn't they? They were I'm eligible one. one way or another. Go on, Trotty. Colin Candy. <laughs> I didn't go back that far. I didn't have time. Okay, Chris Cowdery. <laughs> oh, take that. <laughs> In the recent part, right? So I'm thinking about uh, from Martin Moxon on. Oh, nice. If you can give me their their cap number as well, you get a bonus two points. How's that for incentive? I got one. I got another one. Yeah, yeah. Freddie Flintoff. Just down man. But, Does that count? Oh, Matthew know. Maynard. <laughs> Have you looked at the answers? That's Martin McCaig. What about poor Hasim Hamid and Liam Livingston? I think it's a foul. Well, George, George, George at least got one. Freddie Flintoff, not as good as the one George got. So, so <laughs> now it's one and a half, one and a half in the quiz and back to the normal unashamedly cricket stuff. Unashamedly cricket. This is The Cricketer. Right, now I'm joined by Azim Rafiq. Uh, it was Azim's testimony that kick-started the discussion uh, about equality in sport, really. And uh, he's here to talk about the Equity Commission report, which looks not just at issues of racism, but issues of class and sexism and misogyny. I wondered really what your initial impressions were and whether you were shocked by this report. Um, look, no, I wasn't shocked. I think anyone, uh, you know, that has been um, watching the last couple of years shouldn't really be shocked. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm just glad that this commission has finally delivered the report. Uh, and I hope uh, it's a moment that people can look at it uh, and really decide where cricket wants to go. Now, obviously, your story has focused on racism uh, in cricket. 
and and there's uh, and the report deals with that in great detail and uses some really striking stories to bring home the point. But there's also a, a lot in the report about socioeconomic factors and about sexism and misogyny. I, personally, I was quite shocked by some of the facts and figures and some of the testimony in there. Uh, do you think that uh, people in general are going to feel that way? Or do you think that, as you uh, suggested, some of this is telling us uh, what we already knew, but sort of proving it, underlining it, uh, enshrining it? Yeah, look, I mean, it's an it's over a three hundred page uh, report, so you know, I've not I've not really had a chance uh, to go through it in its entirety. But you know, George, I, I think it's nothing. N- none of it surprises yeah. me really anymore. Um, you know, I think um, it's just sad that it, our game has been uh, discriminating against so many people for so long, and uh, you know, clearly we've not done enough. Um, I just. You know, for me, all, all it does is uh, sort of, you know, give people the data, the figures, the stats, uh, and now it's for people to either, you know, accept it and be better. Uh, and I think we can all be better. I don't think any of us are perfect. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just, uh, for me, it wasn't really too much of a surprise. that I, you know, grassroots uh, level coming up, I think uh, sport in general is, uh, you know, it's got a lot of uh, things that it needs to improve. At. Do you feel vindicated? Uh, look, I think I don't think tomorrow is so much about me uh, because you know I, you know, mine's been long, uh, sort of, it's been long thrown out process. Uh, you know, at every stage of the process. Um, okay, you know, I'm going to interrupt you because I know you well, <laughs> and I know that you're giving me the political answer. Do you feel vindicated? Look, you know, I, I feel a sense of, you know, when, when I got told this morning, uh, I, I I felt emotional, you know. Um, it was, it felt like, you know, why, why have I had to go through everything that I've had to go through when it's so clear in black and white? But, you know, I think I've sort of started to, you know, rebuild myself and started to move into why I spoke out really, but you know, ultimately uh there's a sense in there that, you know, um that I'm glad again I've been heard amongst all the other people. People have though uh continued to sort of diminish and dismiss what you've been saying. Some people have a minority, I know. Uh it it does kind of prove that they were wrong though, doesn't it? I mean the the, the evidence here is absolutely overwhelming. Uh you would think that it ends any reasonable conversation about whether there's the game has a problem the 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 issue now surely is how we go about fixing it yeah yeah reasonable any reasonable conversation i mean i think both of us <laughs> both of us seen enough over the last two years um you know to know that um if we were expecting 100 percent people tomorrow today uh, 100% of people to sort of, uh, you know, accept and try and be better and look at the solutions. Um, you know, that'd be naive. It's been, you know, it's you know, it's been the toughest thing to take, really. You know, the level, the level of denial, despite, despite the level of proof, uh, has been quite mm. revealing in certain, you know, in certain sec, 
sections of our game. Uh, and, you know, those people uh, need to have a look at the mirror, really do, uh, you know, um, as to what part they're going to play moving forward, really. Um, I hope that it's left people in uh, no sort of doubt now that our game has been institutionally uh, discriminating people, uh, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of them, you know, I just hope that come... Uh, when people read it and sensible people sort of digest it, we can all sort of come together and go, right, the game's not been good and we need to be better. What do you think the most eye-catching recommendations are? And I'll give you a couple of suggestions. Uh, one of them is uh, a call for equal pay for women's cricketers uh, by the end of the decade, really. Uh, that's a big one. A, a new regulatory body. Uh, basically replacing the disciplinary component of the ECB. That's another quite eye-catchy one. Uh, a call for free kit and equipment, uh, kids on the pathway. Uh, that's another. There are 44. Uh, th those are three that uh, struck me immediately as uh, very tangible, sensible, progressive recommendations. What about you? What did you think? To be honest, like the, the first one that struck out to me was the peer structure. Um, and, you know... Naturally, I'll speak about my experiences, uh, uh, but, you know, to England women have not played a test match at Lords yet. Um, you know, that's something we should be embarrassed of, really. Uh, and uh, for me, pay structure one was the one that struck out straight away because, uh, you know, if we want to be the most inclusive sport, uh, you know, I think that's a simple one done. Uh, we, we've seen over the last few years, uh, it, it's the... It's the action on resources that really tell you how much, um, you know, how much them words mean. So, you know, it's twenty thirty. I for me, I don't, I don't think there's any reason that that shouldn't be earlier. Personally, uh, the regulatory stuff, you know, is something I've spoken about over and over again. Um, you know, it's something that's been straight screaming at at you that it doesn't work. Um, I think, you know, even if we're just touching on sort of the CDC and stuff, it doesn't work. You know, it just doesn't work. There's, uh, you know, I ran, I ran out of steam and ran out of, um, you know, I couldn't put myself and anyone else through any any longer. Uh, what, but you know, the way that whole process was handled and the uh, was, you know, inadequate at best. So um, clearly, the regulatory stuff is uh, something that needs to be uh, as a matter of urgency. Um, Lord Patel came in uh, and the kit stuff did something that was so simple uh, so effective has made a big difference already um, to be honest I'm, I'm shocked that it hasn't happened already so again no, well, we, should, not... we should explain that to people shouldn't we so, so what happens is um, at Yorkshire now um, it is free to have coaching and kit if you're part of the pathway so if you're a talented kid who comes to trials at most of the counties, 16 of them anyway uh you're spotted and they say brilliant join the pathway it'll cost you 200 quid for kit and 400 quid for coaching ballpark and so lots of families say oh can't afford that you know inflation's high interest rates are up all the rest of it so the <laughs> the game is excluding huge numbers of people just on the grounds that they cannot afford it. And that is before they start excluding them on the grounds of ethnicity or gender. 
And we haven't even talked about disability, by the way, which I, I don't think is mentioned in this report. So there are all sorts of ways that the game is excluding. And uh, yeah, you're right. Kamish Patel came in at Yorkshire and he immediately changed that and made it free. And actually, bizarrely, it was controversial, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, with one of the things that has just kept coming up is is uh, the money spent he spent on making uh, giving opportunity to uh, kids and families that wouldn't have it. I mean, <laughs> how do you how do you even put pen to paper and write that? Uh, yeah, you know, well, but, but I, we, well, I think it tells us that not everybody wants the game to be inclusive. But look, but let let, let me ask you one more thing: Does this feel like an opportunity? Absolutely. I, th I think, you know, if 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 this report is not, uh, you know, if the opportunity there is not sort of balanced on and done well, uh, we will all look back with a lot of regret. Um, I think cricket has an opportunity to make the game that we all love uh, uh, a place for everyone, but also, you know, show our society that, uh, you know, that things can be better. Uh, I just hope that that is how it's taken um and you know but ultimately i think one thing if there was one message i want to leave out is like no knee-jerk reactions i think it's important that uh you know the time frame that ecb has been given uh, the three-month time frame i think it's important that that is um you know that's looked at and also you know from my point of view i i just feel like everything that uh you know everyone around me has gone through um it has to, for me, I'm, you know, I'm incredibly committed to make sure that that comes to some good. Uh, and, you know, around the cost and stuff, if the ECB and the game is not going to be as willing, uh, then, you know, it's something that I hopefully is going to be working to working towards trying to, uh, you know, cut some of them cost barriers for people. But that, that's important for us to remember, isn't it? Because this comes out and people read it and it's shocking. And I, I personally did find it shocking, despite having worked in this sort of field for a while. I did find it shocking. And uh, it can seem like a really grim day for sport. But I think the fact that we're talking about it and the fact that it's now been acknowledged, the fact that the illness has been identified is a really positive thing, isn't it? And I know that there's a lot to do. There's a lot of steps put in right. But thank goodness that we've at last basically diagnosed what the problems are. Yeah, and, you know, it's on paper. It's there with from credible people with, um, you know, with, with research, with data. Um, yeah, to be honest, uh, I'm I'm trying to find where the denial is going to come from or, or on what factor, but I'm sure certain sections will find that. But, you know, ultimately it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for everyone. Um, I think also it's closure and vindication for everyone that has, um, you know, that has people like Jahid, um, you know, uh, and others who have Kasim Sheikh, Majid Haq from Scotland, who have gone through horrific, horrific, you know, um, targeted abuse. Um, and it continues, you know, even today, it just continues for them. So I just hope that this is, this provides, um, them some closure because you know I we've been close to the effects uh, uh, on people uh, and you know they've trusted us to reach out to and you know a lot of times we felt out of our debt but we've seen uh, the trauma that people have been put through um, and I, I hope all that ends tomorrow 
uh, and these people are celebrated, you know, the likes of Kasim and Majid uh, and Jahid, um, you know, they've gone through a lot. And I just hope tomorrow um, onwards that they are, you know, celebrated for what they are, which, you know, they've been incredible, brave individuals who have put their, have. Uh, their careers on the line. They have. Uh, just one more thing. You have faith in this new ECB regime? Look, I mean, I've had I've had some contact with them. Uh, you know, it's important not to sort of, you know, it's a report uh, thing. The, the actions, what they're going to be judged on. You know, I am hopeful. I really am. You know, there there are certain things that I've seen over the last uh, few months where I feel like finally someone's listening. Mm. Uh, but you know, ultimately the proof will be there, and we're not going to be in a place where we're going to be looking the other way. At, um, and pretending everything's all right, I think we've got so, to. So, so sure just on, on that, you're 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 going to, you're not going to let them off the hook, are you? I, I, by the way, I agree that my experience with these guys um, has been positive, and I and I do believe in the good intentions of them. I think they're a significant upgrade on what went before. Uh, I think they've got a really tough job, but I do think their hearts in the right place. But I just check it on what you're saying there. Basically, you're going to keep them honest, yeah. <laughs> Well, you, I think I think you have to. And look, you know, I would love to help them. I would love to help them ha- uh, in their strategy of how they, they do move forward because, you know, I, I feel like I've seen a spectrum uh, and the unfiltered nature of myself. And the, the simple thing is, you know, the, the, if, if I need to tell the truth and challenge someone, I will. Uh, and I think a lot of times in this space and, you know, I've, I've had conversations with people that have been in this space for a while. It is, I mean, it's so blurred. And I, I just feel like the ECB need to take responsibility themselves, you know, devise a strategy moving forward, trust themselves that they're good people, right? If the if heart's in the right place, trust themselves through that process. Uh, and I think, uh, but yeah, I think it's a simple, <laughs> going around the bush, a simple answer is I think if they think that, you know, tomorrow's out the way and the week is done and then back to normal. Um, yeah, I think there might be a few shock surprises. Thanks for joining us, Zane. Thank you. Right, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to Trotty. Thanks to Philip. There's no excuse for him. And thanks to Azim. Uh, We'll be back after the Lord's Test to discuss everything that goes on and uh, hopefully we'll see you then. The Cricketer with George DeBell and Jonathan Trott is a Sportverse production. Check thecricketer.com for future episodes or wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.